So this is going to be a little bit different week for us. Uh, so far this year, with the exception of a couple times, I've preached exactly out of the text that you've read this week. Well, this week's going to be a little different. I'm going to preach out of the text that you read last week. And I know you're going to say, but Jeff, you preach out of the text we had last week last week. I did. And I'm going to do it again. And uh, there's something I've been wanting that God put on my heart a long time ago. And I've been wanting to do this. And I knew the text was coming. And I just didn't realize it was going to land on Memorial Day. And so I, I, told, uh, I told Jenny, I said, well, I just, I really feel like, man, I, I, I got to do this. Uh, we had great, great reading this week, too, though, didn't we? And so you get to see John, the book of John is, is man, I love the book of John. Um, we see some great things in Psalms to go into, and, and, and just, it's been great. But I want to really talk about worship. I think that sometimes in churches that we have a hard time with worship, and what does worship look like? And I want to give you an idea kind of where my background is, and some of you may know this, some of you may not. Uh, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, that's what I was saved in, and, and, and that's what I knew. And it was pretty traditional, this was before contemporary music, so it was very much hymn-based. Um, you had your standard piano and your organ in there, it was just kind of like church that you guys are used to. And that's kind of what I grew up with. And then I, I remember, and some of you guys have been around, do you guys remember the Jesus Movement, the early 80s? I don't remember the one prior to that in the early 70s. You know, I was really small on that one. And I remember that, and I went to some church with some friends, and I got to see some stuff I'd never seen in my church before. I seen people jumping up, I seen people shouting, I seen people dancing, I seen all kinds of stuff, and I thought, wow. I wonder what would have happened if this was in my church. And then I went in the military, and I had military church. That was a different too. You know, when I was in boot camp, I went to church, and, and it was just a, a Protestant kind of service. And, and it was, there's things I look back now, and, you know, some of it wasn't very churchy, you know, at the beginning. There was a deal. I went to San Diego boot camp in San Diego, California. It's no longer there. I've learned in the military all the places that I've been just about are gone. You know, they've moved on from me, I guess. And, uh, but I remember as you were getting closer to graduating, your dress actually kind of stained. You, you, you started out, you know, we called everybody, we called them, uh, we called them Smurfs because everybody had blue sweats on. And then, and then later on, you got your dungarees, which they don't have anymore, but I guess they're bringing them back. Uh, and then you had, they weren't cut yet, so you put your socks over top and we called them sock monsters. And we had like little terms for everybody. And then when you got towards the very end of graduating, you were dressed, you had everything. We had leggings or like white leggings that you would put on. And you knew when you seen kids with leggings, these people are about to make it out of this place. They were getting close. But the other thing happened in church, as you went closer over, as you're getting ready to graduate, you got to the front. Anybody ever seen Lee Greenwood's song, God Bless America? Well, they would do that in church. That was one of the songs they did. And then at the very end, when you're the graduating class, you turned around to everybody else and went, ha, 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 goodbye. You know, and it's just like, you're like, man, I want to be that guy. <laughs> you know, kind of do it. But we got to see church again a lot different. And it was a different church because you had a lot of people from all kinds of different backgrounds, different religions, and everything that were bringing brought together under one surface. And we were all brothers and sisters in Christ. And it was a different worship again. And then, and then fast forward to I got out of the military and I met my wife. And then we started going to a very independent Baptist church. which was, was very fundamental independent Baptist. And it was hymns. If you heard a drum go off in that church, someone would die. It was, it was not. And I, and I love it. But I got to say, I learned more about the Bible in that church than I probably had in any other church. Um, the pastor... Um, that, was, that, that was pastoring that church at the time. His name's Dave Knopfsinger, still a great friend of mine. Uh, I, I still feel he's a man that I can call out anytime I want and say, Brother Dave, what do you think of this? And he would pour into me. When he found out that I was going to start pastoring, he said, Jeff, he goes, anything you ever need, you call me. And he meant it. But I learned a lot, but it was a different kind of worship again. Uh, I was asked this morning about... What do I feel about specials? Because, you know, some people are against those. You guys got to know something about me. I am totally for it. I love them, man. I love it when people get up and God laid a song on their heart and they want to get up and they want to sing. 
I want a public to say I am for it. I like it. I love that kind of stuff because that was my background. I remember that. My wife was part of a trio at one time. She probably just, I'm going to hear about that later. And, uh, but she loves it. You know, and she, she wants to, sleep. no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to mess with her. She's always digging a hole. You know the rule of holes, right? When you find yourself digging one, stop. I'm going to stop digging that hole right now. But, uh, but I got to see a lot of different things growing up. And then I went to, and so fast forward to, we started going to First Baptist Church in North Vernon. Right across from the high school in North Vernon. And we went in there and they had a band. And Jenny and I went to that first service, and, and we were pretty sure during that service we were going to get hit by lightning for being in there. <laughs> we were pretty sure that, that things were going to go, and it was not going to go good for us, because it was so far different again on what we were doing. But then as I got to know it, I, and the, the person that leads that, he wouldn't mind me saying that. The, their worship leader, his name is Al Davidson. He is a great friend of mine now. And I remember at one time Jenny and I talked and say, he's up there, he's performing He's not, he's performing to these people. He ain't performing to God. And then, man, how wrong was I? Because I got to know Al and I got to know his heart. And I know that if there, his, his whole mission in life is to bring people in a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants to become less so that he can become more. And what I've learned through this and through this time and, and just these different experiences that I've been to all the way from something very Pentecostal to something very conservative. And I've been kind of all in between and going to Bible college and being working uh, and, and doing studies with other people of different denominations, everything from from Catholic to you name it, to people that were atheists, Christian college. And what I learned is, is there's a lot of different forms of worship. And so what I want to do is I want to take some liberty this morning. I want to go into some text. And I want to really talk this morning and preach about what is worship. And who are we worshiping? Are we worshiping God? Are we just meeting? Right? And so let's pray. And then we're going to just dive right into the scripture here. All right. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you and I thank you. I pray that you would just... Right now, that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, that you would tear down. If there's shields that we have up, if there's walls that we have up, there are hedges that we put up in our life that are separating our worship from you. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that today you would drop those walls like you did in Jericho. That you would just take away and strip whatever it is in our lives away that's hindering us from worshiping you. Lord, that is what my prayer is this morning. Heavenly Father, I love you. Be with us today, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we had a, so, so the scripture, as you guys can see it on the board, is out of 2 Samuel. And if you have your Bible, if you go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, I want to read a little something to you. Because there's a couple really, there's a neat thing in here is when we look at this. This scripture. And we're going to read in verse 12 through 15. There's some other ones we're going to hit here in a little bit, but that's my main scripture that I want to talk to. And we're going to dive off. And I think you guys are going to know what I'm talking about here in a second. So the first part of it in 2 Samuel, starting in chapter 6 and verse 12, it starts out, it says, Now, now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything that he has because of the ark of God. Now, I'm going to stop just for a second. I'll keep on reading. So one of the things that's happened here is they've already tried to take the ark of God, and they're trying to bring it back to Jerusalem, but they, uh, they weren't as reverent as they were supposed to. And one of, David's, uh, one of David's people that were with him ends up there studying the ark, and he grabs the ark, and God strikes him dead. And at that point, they stop, okay? And, 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 and they're right in front of this guy's house, and so that's where they leave the ark. So, so Obed's house, Edom's. And, and it says, and, and so, so going on, it says, So David went up to bring the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who were with, who were, or were carrying the ark of the Lord would take six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. Wearing a linen info, David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. While he was, while all Israel were bringing the ark of the Lord with shouts 
and the sounds of trumpets. See, now, you got to understand that one of the things that happened was the ark had been gone for a while. It hadn't been there. So when we go back and we start talking about earlier when we were reading in, in, in Exodus, you see the ark of God has followed them. And they've been there. It's been the forefront of all the battles and everything. And we've read just in, in 1 Samuel, we read not too far back where, where um, Eli's kids were not exactly the priests they needed to be, were they? And so they went to battle, right? And at that point is where the ark kind of departs from Israel. Why? Because the people kind of departed from Israel. One thing I want to say about this ark before I start going on there is, is where was God's dwelling place? In between the cherubs on the ark. So you're talking about literally being, when the ark was with you, you were literally in the presence of God. So first, let's talk about worship. What is worship? So the first point I want to talk about is, is, it, who, is he worthy of worship? Is God worthy of worship? And I want to read to you in Psalms 99. It says, great, this is verses 2 through 9. It says, great is the Lord of, in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let his praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty and he loves justice. You have established, you have established equality in Jacob. And you have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God. And worship at his footsteps, or at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron are, were among his priests. Samuel was among those who were called on his name. They called on the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of the cloud. They kept his statues and his decrees, and he, and he gave them, that he gave them. And the Lord, our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God. Through your punishment and through through your punishment and misdeeds, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord God, Lord our God is holy. First of all, you gotta understand who we're talking about. Who are we talking about worshiping? We're talking about worshiping God. You see, He's the maker of everything. He's holy. He deserves our worship. Why are we here today? What is the purpose of us gathering together so you can hear a bald guy up here and speak or hear some music? Fellowship with other people? Is that our goal? If that's our goal, then we're not doing things right. When we hear music up front and we're, and we're, we're hearing this, it's, it's literally to get our hearts ready to worship God Almighty. And I think a lot of times we forget who that is. We start going through the motions and we start just doing what, you know, I go to church because my parents went to church and I went to this. Well, we lose the fact that we're worshiping God. God is who we're worshiping. I, I want to go back into the beginning of 1 John. And we had this text and we used this text earlier. And in 1 John, in verse 1, through four, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, talking about Jesus, and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And the light, the life was light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He's worthy of our worship. Listen. It's because of God that I am here today because he took Adam out of the dust. He took Eve from his side. He spoke the world into existence. And see, one of the things that we do with God is we try to put God in our box and we try to grab him and we put him in our box and we put him in there and we say, okay, there's God. You know, God, I'm going to use you when you're ready or when I'm ready for you and I'm going to put you there and you don't go anywhere. And then we go over and we do our stuff and we get into trouble and we run back over and we say, God, where were you? And we try to put him into our human understanding. You understand that God is above our understanding. He's outside. We say, well, where did God come from? God came from anywhere he wanted to. He's God. 
See, we didn't create him. He created us. And listen, he wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to love us. He wants to have this relationship with us. And he says, listen, I'm worthy of your worship. If we go in the scripture and we look where angels have come and people have fall down, he said, whoa, 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 no. Get up. You don't worship me. You worship the Father. I think of, in our reading this week, I was thinking of a doubting Thomas, right? And, and he says, I'm not going to believe until I put my hand in the nail prints and put my hand in his side. Then I'll believe that Jesus is risen from the dead and, and Jesus comes in the room. By the way, the door's locked. He comes in the room and he, and he gets in there and he just walks to Thomas and says, Thomas, take your hand, stick it in my hands, stick it in my side. He says, my Lord, my God. Jesus didn't stop him from that because he was worthy of the worship. He says, you believe now because you've seen. He said, blessed those that are believed that have not seen. He is worthy of our worship. So when we come in here into church and, and, we, and we get dressed in the morning and whatever it is that you're putting on and whatever, when we come in here, he's worthy of our worship. Understand and who it is we're talking about. Listen, it's because of Christ. It's because of God the Father that he sent Christ here, that he died for my sins. And I hear people who put Christ on there, on the cross, and it was literally, it was us. It was our disobedience. It was our, go back to, my, my wife had a, a, a podcast that she listened to, and and, and there was one part and he talks about, she's laughing because there was, I had some issues with a couple of things. But there was one thing they said, he was talking about the very beginning when it was in the Garden of Eden and God created everything and everybody got along with everybody, didn't they? And God said it was good. Who messed that up? God had all right to wipe us out at that point and just say, that's it. But he didn't. He knew the long game, right? And he knew that relationship that we would have with him. See, one of the things I want you to understand that when we worship God, it's not always easy. It isn't. Do you know worshiping God has a cost? It's a costly worship. It's a costly worship. As we continue to read in 2 Samuel uh, in, in verses 12 and 13, it says, Now David was told the Lord had blessed the house of Obed-Edom with everything and everything he has because of the ark of God. See, blessings come from the Lord. And so David went to bring the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those that were carrying the ark would take six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted cow. Do you guys think that was a... How many sacrifices do you think he did? Five? Six? I want to share a couple things with you. See, when we worship God, a lot of times that comes at a cost. Do you understand that, that this is not natural for me to be up here in front of you? I've got to put myself out there. My family pays a cost, believe it or not. And you guys have been, let me say this before I make this comment. You guys have been wonderful to my kids. But my kids have paid a price for my, my wife and I to be part of ministry because they're looked at different. Well, those are the pastor's kids. They know better. Or do you see what they've done? And, and I've, had my, I've had kids, I'm telling you, they've been rough. They've been treated bad. And it shouldn't be that. And you see, they paid a cost for, for dad to be part of the ministry. You know, my, my family has left friends and we've moved. And we talked about moving to a mission field and everything and leaving everything we have just to follow God. See, sometimes worshiping God, there's a cost. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes God doesn't call us to do that. There's a cost that goes into it. And I want you to think about David. And I, I think of a lot of different things that were going through my mind. I think of Abraham when Sarah died. You know, they said, no, you're great amongst us. Go ahead and take this. He says, no. No. I'll pay for it. Well, no, it's what is it a man? No, no, I'll pay for 
See, there was a cost. And then later on, we've read about Bathsheba and, and about David and his sin and the baby. There was a cost. There's a cost. And David buys a wine press. He could have got it for free, but he says, no, there's a cost. See, there's a cost when we do it. So I want to give you an idea. From Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem, I did a little research, and roughly it's in between three and four miles is where it was. And so an average person, see, these are the things I look up. So the average person would take him 2,000 steps to go a mile. So when I did some math on here, so basically that would equal to, depending on if it was three or four miles, at three miles, that's 1,000 sacrifices times two, a bull and a fatted cow. At 4,000 miles, that's 1,300. Got to add some more stuff in there, right? That goes into there. So, so when we're doing the... There was a cost to bring the ark of God. And why did David do it? Because he knew that the blessings came from that. If Israel was going to follow God and if Israel was going to be blessed, then they had to do that. And he was willing to pay the price. He was willing to sacrifice and take all that cost. You're talking about huge herds to do it. But God is worthy of our worship. See, God dwelt between those cherubim. He was there. That was his spot. When you went in, he was there. Today, he doesn't dwell there, does he? Where does he dwell? In me. In you. If you've trusted Jesus. Christ said, where, where three or four are gathered in my name, I'm there also. Look around. Where's God? He's right here with us today. Do you know right now he's over here at Lighthouse Church? He's with us. He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of worship. You know, see, it might not cost us like it did David. Your total animal count would have been roughly, it would be north of 2,000 animals. Because like I said, it would have been double, right? So really, 2,000 to 2,600 animals on there. You know, maybe our sacrifice is different. Maybe it's our time. Maybe that's part of our worship. Maybe it's our it's 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 faithfulness. It's it's saying, listen, guys, I can't do this because this is more important. A lot of times we go on vacation, and when we go on vacation, we go on, I'm for vacation. I'll be on vacation next week. Albert will be preaching. Please come and support him. I'll be worshiping God. It doesn't matter where I'm at. Jenny and I actually kind of enjoy when we're going to other places because we have to see how other people worship too and get to see different things. See, worship's costly. You know, one of the problems I've always had with worship is I'm worried about what you guys think. You guys get that? I'm worried about what you guys are thinking. Do you know how absurd that is? Who should I be worried about? God. Because he's worthy. Because he's worthy. See, I want to, when I read this text that we had this week, I was thinking about this, and this is what kind of brought me to this passage, and I've been looking forward to it. There's several passages that are coming up that God's laid on my heart. I'm waiting for us to get there. I'm like, hurry up. Let's get there. And it's like, oh, but that was really good. Oh, but I want to get here. And this was one of them. And, and, I, and I want to think about Dan, David dancing before the Lord, and I thought, who was David, by the way? He was a, he was, first of all, he was a man after God's own heart, but more than that, he was... He was king. He's the number one guy. Right? And I want to read this passage to you. I, want to, I just, when I see David, I see authentic worship on it. And, and in, in verse 
14 and 15, it says, wearing a, uh, a linen infant. I struggle with some of these words. Uh, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And while all of Israel were bringing the ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpet. See, when I read this, I see that he was, first of all, his worship was from down in his heart. Here he is, the king, and he's wearing basically an undergarment, is what he's wearing. And it's honestly, it's a priestly undergarment, in case you guys were curious about that. Okay? And he's wearing this undergarment. He doesn't have all of his royal robes on and everything. See, what he's done is he's made himself less. He hasn't walked with the crown and the, and the flowing robes and the entourage and people throwing petals out in front of him. Going, Listen, I'm the king and I am bringing God with me. Oh, no. See, David has stripped off his priestly stuff and his kingly stuff and he's thrown it all aside. I should have answered that. That'd have been awesome. So, <laughs> so uh, chalk that up as first. That would have been awesome. I should answer and said hello. No, no, not here right now. No, I'm just kidding. But so God, so so David has stripped off all this priestly stuff and he's taken his robe off and everything. He's just down to his undergarment. And he says he dances before the Lord with all his might. If I was to come down here, and it's probably something you don't want to see, but if I was to come down here and I started dancing as the music's up here playing and they're doing worship and I started dancing in here, what would you guys think? I'm being serious. What would you think? You'd be thinking he lost his mind. And he can't dance. <laughs> and you'd be kind of right, at least on the second part of it. But if that's, if that's worship to God... If that's really me pouring out my heart to God, is that wrong? See, I have, I've got King David here, which is a man after God's own heart that has humiliated himself in front of the people so that God can be held up. See, when we're in here and worshiping, I've been in churches where, I tell you what, it feels like it's pretty dead in there. People are in there, it's like, victory in Jesus, my Savior. Forever. He sought me and he bought me. Is it time to go? You know, and see, there's just nothing in that. Right? And then I go and people that listen to the words and they're like, victory, it's because of Jesus. My chains are broken, right? Amazing grace. How sweet it is. Saved a wretch like me. And I see it. And I, I see people in church, and, and I'll tell you what I wanted to do. There's a picture, and I want to say, I think it was you that took the picture, Michelle, and it was, it was Frank. And I was sitting right here, I'm standing right here, and we were worshiping. And Frank gets down on his knees, and he just sits back, and we're worshiping, and he is just praying. And you know, I looked over at Frank, and I thought, that's all. And you know what? I miss Frank. He was an encouragement to me. There it is. Praise the Lord. Thank you. You're good. And he's over here. He's worshiping. There's his pretty wife right behind him. Look at her. She don't care what's going on anywhere else around. She's just worshiping. And you know, listen, if someone wants to raise up their hands, it's okay. Sometimes people want to just go like this. There's a, there's a comedian that talks about this, and, and I really thought about doing that because he's kind of funny about it, but I wanted to be serious about it and say, listen, if, if you want to get up and you want to raise your hands and shout to the Lord, do it. See, we're so worried about what everybody else is going to believe. Why don't we be a whole lot more like Frank and not worry about what everyone believes because he's holy. He's worthy of our worship. See, we're worried about it, that, that if, we go, if you start shouting, then they're going to think that we're a different kind of church. They're going to think that we're like the Pentecostals down the road. We need some of their shout, boys and girls. That's right. That's right. 
We need some of that. We need to quit worrying about what other people are thinking about and everything. And listen, he's worthy. If I came in here in a linen undergarment and I was going to worship the God and everything, listen, that would be big for me because not only am I doing it in front of you, but I'm doing it out in front of the internet too. But you know what? He's worthy. He's worthy of our worship. Listen, we need a lot less of us and a lot more of him in our lives. That's what we need. We need to quit this stuff. See, the problem is, is instead of holding back and being reserved and not honoring God, by the way, we become judgmental. We become judgmental because we look at people and we say, oh, that's wrong right there. So I want to go ahead and move on in Scripture just a little bit. We stopped at verse 15. I'm going to pick up in verse 16. So in verse 16 in 2 Samuel chapter 6, it says that the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David. Michal. 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 I had, you know, I've been trying to say that for a long time here. Michal. Michal. The... Uh, daughter of Saul watched from the window and when she saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord she despised him in his in her heart he's pouring out his heart he is fully engulfed in worship for God almighty and she sees what he's doing and she despises him all the way in her heart it's like looking at him and saying man i hate you oh and then it goes on, I'm going to skip to verse 20, but what you see in there is, is, is David brings the ark in, into a tent. This is going to be a new tent in the Lord because the temple hasn't been built yet. Okay, and then, and then they're going to worship there and they're going to sacrifice a little bit more and he's going to give gifts to everybody of bread and raisins and, and that kind of stuff. And then in verse 20, so David returns back home, and, and I would think that I come back home after this worshiping. By the way, I've been dancing for three to four miles and, and sacrificing and pouring out my heart to God and everything, and I come home to my pretty bride, and, and I'm expecting to go, Honey, you did fantastic. You were wonderful. Man, I'm so glad that you brought God's dwelling place back to his people. But that's not what we hear. In verse 20, it says, And when David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. Going around half naked in full view of slave girls and his servants as any vulgar fellow would. Wow. Can you believe that? She looks at him and says, do you realize you're the king? You did this for God? Do you think if Saul, or Saul was a whole lot more like David, he would still be king? But he didn't honor God either. He had his own way of doing things. I have a feeling his daughter felt the same way. And we look at that and we see that, that it's not, that he, she, I can't, I just can't even fathom what, what I would say. Of course, David has something to say. I'll be dead here in a moment. But, but I, just don't, I just don't get it. It's easy to look at others and, and disapprove what they're doing. It's easy for us to look at Christians. You know what? Some of the toughest people I've ever met in my life are Christians. Because we look at other ones. I have a, a Jeep site that, I, that I'm on. And, and someone made a comment about something. And then someone else came out and made a really bad comment. And then someone else replied to that comment and said, man, for someone in the ministry. And I thought, huh? So I click on his Facebook and I look. And I see he's been to seminary and all these things. And he's talking about love. You know, the second greatest commandment, right? First one, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And second one, that is love your neighbor. It's yourself. And I think, and I look, and a couple of people make it, and he even gets more vulgar. And I think, wow, and someone makes a comment that says, man, this is why I don't go to church. Man, I, I 
tell you what, I've met some tough Christians in my life. Some hard-hearted people. And we read our Bible, and we read about the Pharisees, and we read about all these things, and we say, I can't believe they're like that, but yet we're wearing the same clothes. And we're acting the same way. And we don't worship God, and we don't worry about it, and we get judgmental on other people that are. Listen, I get back into Scripture, and, and the disciples forbid some people. They're casting out demons and telling people about Jesus. And they said, whoa, 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 you're not part of us. You guys, I forbid you from doing that. They came and told Jesus, and Jesus says, whoa. He says, listen, if they're not against us, they are for us. We're a Baptist church. Lighthouse over here is a Pentecostal church. Do you know they're for Jesus? They have a desire to bring people in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you realize they're not against us? That means they're... Amen. When we see people worshiping and we see people like Frank falling down on their leg, on their knees and just holding up and saying, God, how many of you have had a sermon or something praying and you feel something tugging you inside that says, I want you to come forward right now and fall down at the altar? And you don't because you're worried about what other people are going to say. Listen, I've been there. I've been that. I've wore those clothes too. We've got to quit that. The judgmental worship has to stop. Listen, why don't we make a decision to just say, today, I'm going to worship God. From here on out, I'm not going to worry about what other people will say. Listen, I've been in church where I've seen an older person grab out a hanky and they go out and they start running and they're just saying, glory to God, running and taking a lap around the church. Some of y'all would have a heart attack. We shouldn't be that way. Let's, let's just get back to worship. Let's just get back to what that is. And I'm not saying just contemporary music. I'm not saying just pianos or anything. I'm just saying I love them all. Let's just worship God. What happens if we came in here one day and we didn't do any music and we just... Just saying to God. See, you know, that's okay too, because you know, there's churches that don't have music in them. They're still worshiping God. And that's where we need to be on it. She didn't have to approve of David's dancing because it wasn't kingly. He was a leader, and he wasn't like everyone else. See, listen, I've seen people do all kinds of different things in church. I've, guys, I've seen people fall down on the ground. I've seen, you name it. My favorite people are the ones that are going to say that when I go see God, i got something to tell him. And then, But, you know, yet when I see people fall into God's holy presence and it says, look at Isaiah. Falls down like he's dead. And all he can say is, whoa, I am undone. Holy, holy is he. You ain't going to tell God anything. But you do have an opportunity right now to worship him like there is no tomorrow. See, if we go on and we start forgetting about not caring about what other people think, maybe we'll be a lot more like David, which is the man after God's own heart. If I slip over a little, go to the next verse in verse 21, it says, David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from your house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will even become more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But these slave girls you spoke of I will hold in higher honor. Listen, we got to quit worrying about what other people think. I'm a firm believer if we get back to just worshiping God for all that he is worthy of, which is everything, and we start doing what it says in the Bible where it tells us to go out into the hedges and highways and compel them to come in, 
And we quit worrying about what happens when we knock on someone's door or whether or not we're going to know someone. And we start seeing everybody for people that need a relationship for Jesus Christ. I believe that will honor God. And that's where we need to get back to. We need to get back to worship of Jesus. We've got to get back to worship. We're going to have a chance now to do communion. It's our first... It's our first uh, Sunday of the month. And what a great time as, as we pass out. And I'm going to read some stuff here in just a second. As we pass out the elements, the, the, water, uh, the wine and, and the bread, and, and, we, and we talk about what they signify. Um, we also talk about bringing ourselves back in a right fellowship with God. And maybe we go, and I'm listening, I'm going to be right down here just so you know. Is, is I, need to, I need to apologize to God and repent because you know what? I've worried a lot more what you guys think than what he's thought in my life. And I need to stop that. I need to get back to worshiping God. Not worrying about whether or not I have my hands up. Whether or not I fall down on my knees. I need to worry about my Savior. Because you know what? He wasn't worried about everybody else thought about him when he got put up on the cross, which is the most humiliating place that you could possibly be. That was the worst death you can ever go on to. It was in front of everybody. And it was, listen, that was the worst death you can get. And he did it for me. Jesus humiliated himself amongst everybody, the world, for me. Listen, you might be here today and you do not. You've been playing church or you're coming because someone brought you and that's fantastic. I'm glad you're here. But listen, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, everything I talk about, you might be looking at me going, man, this guy's an idiot. I can't believe what he's talking about with worship. Understand when God puts that and he does that work in your life and he changes you and makes you like you never were before makes that close fellowship that you have, you'll find out what I mean is true. Because he's worthy. He's worthy of everything I have. I've given him my life because he's worthy. He's worthy. If I can get our deacons to come forward and we're going to go ahead and do the, the offering. Or not the offering. I'm backwards again. We're going to do communion here. See, this is something special. There's two church ordinances God gave us. And the first one was baptism. When someone trusts Jesus as their Savior, we fill the baptismal here and we baptize them. It's a symbol of the death, burial, and the resurrection. We say that buried in, 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 in Christ rose to walk in newness of life. And the second one we get is, is the Lord's communion. And, and a lot of tables, this one doesn't say it, and it's okay that it doesn't, but a lot of them says, in remembrance of me. And, and I've got some different things I want to do with communion down the road, and it's just finding time to, to get everything in place. And, and, and we might switch this up just a little bit on how we do it. It's the same meaning, by the way. But a lot of times we become fixtures of what we've always done. Okay? And, and, but I want to read some text to you, and this is out of 1 Corinthians 11. Um, verse 23 through 29 it says for I received from the Lord that which was also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus that night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is, which is for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way he took a cup and after the supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For often as you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes back. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in doing so he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 
For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment unto himself, and he does not judge rightly. This is such a great time that we have, and, and, and it's a chance that we get to innerly search in our, ourselves, and we get to look for it. And, and listen, there's things that, that, that are so personal to you that you might never, ever utter them to another person. But this time right here, you can utter them to God, because that's where forgiveness comes from. And listen, there's things I think about my earthly father, my dad, and, and we've had times in our life that we were super close and other times we weren't. And, and it takes us coming together and, and, and sometimes asking for forgiveness. That we restore a right relationship. My dad's one of my best friends in the world. I want God to be closer than my father ever has been to me. I want to be able to cry out to him, call out to him and everything. This is your time to do that. So I'm going to ask you guys, um, first of all, let's pray over this. And then, and then I'm going to ask you guys to start passing out. When you guys get the elements are passed out to you, I'm going to ask you to hold on to them. If you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior and you do not have a relationship with you, I'm going to ask you to allow those to pass in front of you. And don't take them. Guys, I don't take this lightly. This is serious business. And I don't want you to do that stuff unto you. Listen, if you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior, don't let today go by without doing that. Come over and grab one of these guys you see up front. Grab my wife. Grab Albert Christie. Grab me and just say, listen, I want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't worry about what other people think. Because what Satan says is he people are going to laugh. They're going to know your business. But what you'll find out is the exact opposite. Everybody's going to rejoice in the fact that you've come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what happens. Don't believe the lie. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for this communion that we have here. This, I pray that over this bread and, and, and over this juice as we drink this, Lord, I pray that, that you would search, as David said in, in the 119th Psalm, as he said, search me, O Lord. I pray that you would search us right now. And Lord, if there's anything in our lives that, that, that is drawing us from a close relationship that is restricting our worship from you, Lord, I pray that you would bring that up and that you would bring that up into our lives, Lord, and, and let us confess it to you. Let us, let us restore that relationship where you are closer and that, that, Lord, you are everywhere that we go. And I know you are, but Lord, that you are just, Lord, that we are just bathed in your Holy Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
same way he took the cup after the supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me I think of that bread and I think about his body and how it was broken for me and I think about the blood that he, that he shed on the cross and, and all the way to the very end where he says, you know, that he says, Lord, I commit my spirit to you. And he says he gave up the ghost. The Roman soldier, instead of breaking his legs, which again fulfilled scripture, he takes the spear and he puts it inside his blood and water came out of him. And I think about that cross and I think, man, when I do this, that's what I'm remembering. I'm remembering his sacrifice for me, his ultimate sacrifice. He was the lamb without blemish. He did that for me. We've talked a lot today. We, we've talked about what worship is, and we talked about whether or not God was worthy of worship. Then we talked about how worship can cost you something. We talked about what, what authentic worship looks like, and we also talked about judgmental. My question for you today is, is where do you fall in that? I've got to be honest with you, I fall under a lot of those ones. I've, I've wore the shirt and the hat for many of those that we do it, but I want to lay those down because I want to remember what God did for me. And I want him to take this church and I want him to transform it into something that's worthy of his worship, whatever that is. And we did offer, so you guys know, for Lighthouse to come worship with us this morning. We did offer that. And I would love for them to be able to come and worship with us. But I understand. I'm going to go ahead and ask Wayne and everybody to go ahead and come back forward. And, and, uh, and we're going to take this time and let's worship God. And if you have something you need to lay down at the altar or... You have to sit down in your seat and you want to do business with God, do that. Listen, if you're here today and you haven't trusted Jesus, I'm telling you, don't let another day go by. It's so easy to say, I'll do that tomorrow. Don't. Don't. For he's worthy. We bring so little to the table when it comes to God. He gives us so very much. Let's worship him today. When Wayne plays these next songs, I want you just to forget about everything else. I want you to forget about what the person next to you might think. I just want you to say, if this is what God wants me to do, I want you to be willing to do it. Let's worship him for his word. Let's stand.
stop our news, stop our live stream of the service and 